Welcome swimmers and swimmers. I'm today's host, Garrett McCaffrey. Our guest today is the head coach of Elmbrook Swim Club. And if you haven't heard much about Elmbrook Swim Club, you haven't been paying attention. The club has earned gold medal status through USA Swimming's Club Excellence Program for the past four years. This past ranking included them at number nine overall in those club excellence rankings. Last summer, they finished first on the women's team points at the Junior National Meet in Irvine, California. Their girls broke two national age group records in the 200 and 400 medley relay. And then just last month in March at NCSAs in Orlando, Florida, their women won the team title, sweeping the relays, setting another NAG record, this time in the 400 medley short course version. And their coach joins us today. He's Brent Bach. And this is the Swim Swim Podcast. Hello, Garrett. Thanks for having me. Hey, Brent, uh, thanks for uh, coming on and, and uh, giving us a chance to talk about all the recent successes. Um, trying to do a little background research on you, and I had a little trouble, you know, finding a ton of information on you personally. So I kind of wanted to start with your story. And uh, I think that kind of, for our viewers, would start with how you got into the sport of swimming. Sure enough. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't have a big online um, kind of stamp out there. But uh I uh, I swam at uh, locally here in Wisconsin at the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee, kind of mid major. Um, I was a decent swimmer, not great by any means, but uh, um, coached my uh, kind of had a few more credits, so I I did some uh, volunteer coaching there my my fifth year or half of my fifth year, and then um, just fell in love with it and just started coaching. I was going to teach and had my teaching de degree and I've never stepped foot in a classroom. Just It just never happened. So, just What was it about coaching that hooked you? You know, I just, I love, I love working with athletes and I love uh, the relationships with athletes and, um, and I love the process, you know, um, like swimming fast and chat meets are, are all fine and dandy, but uh, I, I just, I kind of love the grind of, of, of practice and getting better and, and, and developing, helping kids develop the craft and, and likewise helping them develop my craft. Right. Um, it's a two way street and um, you know, the, uh, the mission statement at the Umbrook Swim Club is excellence in life through swimming. And, um, and, and that's what I love about the sport, you know, how it can bring um, just developing, um, helping kids develop into great young people and giving them the skills that they can pursue in life. The swimming is going to end at some point. Um, but hopefully, you know, those skills that they pick up through swimming are going to help them throughout their careers. So that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's, that's what drew me to it. And uh, maybe not all of that immediately, but that's kind of the path it's taken. Sounds like you're in it for all the right reasons. Can you talk a little bit about your progression? Cause you've been at Elmbrook now for 
30 years, um, started in 1993. Uh, how did you come to the club? Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I started out just uh, as a part-time age group coach. Um, and really at the time I just needed to pay my rent, you know, and um, um, from that point on, you know, I realized it was something I wanted to do. And so um, every time, like say a volunteer or another coach drops something, I would just pick it up and start doing it, right? And just like, um, so be before long, I, I you know, I, I was, you know, in charge of meat operations and registration and whatnot and was able to kind of carve out a living. And um, <clears throat> at some point, I don't know when, um, I became a co-head coach along with Fred Russell, who was the head coach at the time, and um, worked alongside him as co-head coach, but I was still coaching the age groupers. And um, and then I think about eight to 10 years ago, um, Fred retired and I just became the outright CEO slash head coach of the Ombuds Swim Club. Uh, the club's a 501c3 parent board uh, operation, um, and we have uh, affiliations with the Brookfield Park and Rec Department. So we're kind of <clears throat> um, old school in a sense where we have ties to the Rec Department and do have a recreational arm of our program as well. That's awesome. I mean, being able to have ties with those kind of programs often leads to nice access to the pools at the times that you want it and whatnot. Um, can you talk about how the club has changed? Has has that relationship always been in, in place? Has it grown? How has the club changed over three decades? Sure. You know, um, yeah, when I, when I began um, in the early 90s, um, Fred, the head coach at the time, had a, a a group of fairly high-powered guys who were going out and, and challenging for uh, junior championships and whatnot. And um, it was very, very top-heavy program, whereas, like, uh, we had a lot of seniors, but really the age group program, I was running around to country clubs and doing clinics and just beating the banners down just to build the team up. Probably about 100 athletes in the program. Um be within about four or five years, um, we had grown to around 200, which is where we've been at. And that's really our kind of sweet spot with our pool time that's available. We swim out of two six-lane 25-yard pools. And um, kind of we have access to one every night, give or take. Um, and then some long course time in the summer, which in Brookfield, in Wisconsin is really mid-June to August, right? Outdoor long course. It's not, it's about a month and a half. But um, so built the program to about 200, pretty, you know, within a few five years or so. And that's where it's been. Now, inside of that, um, it's really kind of honing our craft and how we retain athletes because we're fairly cylindrical. We don't have a big base. Like we don't have like, 88 and under 69 and 10s, et cetera. We're more or less 30 in each age group. And um, 
So we really had to concentrate on how we protect the athletes that are coming through the program and kind of identify age groups that are strong and whatnot and kind of protect them and and, and hold on to them as they go through the program. So that's really been something that um, uh, we've done a nice job, not myself, but also the staff that's come through the program has done a nice job of um, figuring that process out and onboarding parents and getting everybody on the same page uh, for the long haul. So athlete retention is a big priority. And obviously if you're built, you know, uh, vertically like that, where you're kind of equal and not a pyramid, um, you do a good job of, of maintaining those athletes. What are some of the keys? Like, what does that parent onboarding sound like? Sure. You know, um, yeah, at our, at our like new member meetings and even before that, when, when people contact me or whatnot, we've got some brochures and stuff. And our mission statement is front and center there. So, um, and when people will call me about the program, you know, a lot of times I'll tell them something like, you know, you're joining a life program, not necessarily a swimming program. And um, people are taken aback sometimes, you know, they just want their kid to, to you know, learn learn a few swimming skills. But, um, and, but I'll talk to them at, I'll talk to the new members right away at onboarding at new member meetings and um, and tell them, you know, simple stuff like it varies, but I might say, you know, first thing I'll say is your kid's going to fail, you know, and you're going to be really supportive of, of them when they fail, you know, and that's then those are the that's what's going to make this program influential in your kids and your lives. Um, you know, little things like that, you know, just to uh, right off the bat and, um just so they have an understanding that this is kind of a, a long-term thing and that um, they may not be able to see it at the time, but their kid is going to be swimming, you know, call it 16 to 18 hours a week at some point and be, and be off to college, hopefully swimming um, in eight years or 10 years. And, and, um, so we try and be real open with them both about like the possibilities that the sport can offer, but also um, kind of the uh, the hard road that swimming often presents to swimmers and parents as well. Do you have to turn swimmers away in that process of protecting the swimmers that you have? Um, yeah, we have a we have a waiting list. We do a pretty good job of um, of clearing it off every season. Um, but we've kind of, to be honest with you, Garrett, we've kind of hit our sweet spot where we're able to kind of maintain, we give or take a couple kids that we're able to bring those kids that are interested in the sport on, you know, and, um, and not leave too many behind. Um, I think it's a challenge a lot of teams have is that, young man or lady who maybe gets interested in the sport a little bit later in life who don't necessarily have the skills and how to onboard them that's something that we're currently trying to figure out right um because you can't necessarily put them in a group with other 13 and 14s who have been swimming say for five six years and you also can't put them in a group of nine and ten year olds right so um, that's somewhere an area that our club is learning to struggle with. Yeah. 
I definitely don't think your club is alone in that area to challenge that. I'm assuming most clubs, I know mine also sometimes has trouble with that. Um, But obviously the system is working um, and it sounds like, you know, through your progress, you've got a good uh, development process and everything. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like how, how are your um, coaches onboarded? How does the move up process kind of happen? And how do you communicate with those coaches to make sure that they're following, you know, your lead in the philosophy of the club? Sure. So like, um, like a number one, I think on a successful club is having a great age group coach and a great eight and under coach. Right. And, um, we've got both of those and, uh, Mike Rose, our, our head age group coach has been with us. Um, he's actually been working in the community longer than I have. Um, and then, um, also Dan Westfall who came on board at the same time I did as our eight and under coach. Um, so those guys are, are indispensable and we've been on the same page since day one. So we've worked together for 30 years there, um, or more. And um, it's been really nice as far as, um, you know, kids transitioning through the program. No, all of our 12 and unders will swim in the 12 and under program until they're 13. So um, we really protect that. We feel like kids should be age groupers and um, no matter the skills they have, right? There are, there have been 12 year olds or 11 year olds who could possibly move up into our senior program, but we just protect them and protect the age group program <clears throat> until they turn 13, at which point they can kind of go into whatever training group that they're most suited for. Yeah. Yeah. That's painting a clear picture. And it's one of those other questions that a lot of clubs go back and forth about, you know, when you move them up into that senior group, even if they have the skills that might be a little before their age. So um, thank you for that insight. Um, let's now talk about the top of the the team. And for the last five years, especially, um, it's it's been going pretty well. Uh, what do you think is clicking so well um, for the team? Because for the last four years, you've been gold medal. The year before that, it was silver. So you just seem to have a really good thing going recently. Has anything changed to lead to that? Or, or how would you explain that that level of success for a club that has around 200 swimmers? Sure. You know, um, well, I talked about retention and we, you know, there's a, a, a group of girls that are pretty talented and guys that are, that the girls are, there's more of them and they're a little bit better. Anyway. Um, but, um, but there was a good group that was coming through and we kind of um, paid attention to that. And um, I think, here's the answer, Garrett. I think a lot of work was put in to create a space where kids could be successful, right? And um, that goes to our, not just our mission, but our staff and, um, and kind of create just creating a, a place where kids could could achieve whatever they wanted in perhaps a pool that's not world class, right? And so um, the generations of athletes before this current crew um, did a really really nice job of, of 
of building a culture. And I was a part of that. I say the kids built the culture. I don't want to take myself out of that equation um, because it was a lot of work on all of our all of our, all of our ends um, to build a place where where we could be great. And that's um, we look at it kind of like a uh, a uh, from a team aspect, it's a really competitive culture, but it's also really supportive. And one of the key things for us is um, for for me to bring my best on a daily basis. I owe it to the to the athlete next to me, right? And um, and if the athlete next to me gets the better of me on a day or two or or a set or whatnot, you know, more power to them. Because they're allowing me, they're they're bringing out more for myself, right? And um, and so, yes, I want to race, and yes, I want to be better on these repeats. But if somebody's getting the better of me, they're making me better, right? Just that understanding, and um, and we really try and let that kind of expand to our competition as well, right? Like, of course, I want put my hand on the wall first but if you know if the if my competitor from another team gets there first well right on you know hopefully they brought something better out in me in the process right um so we're all better for that aspect but anyway um i feel like that when these when this current generation came in there was there was a really positive culture that they learned and kind of developed and 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 of course, each generation makes it their own, right? And so um, they've really expanded upon that and um, really taken the uh, effort level and work ethic to another notch, you know, um, and uh, and that's kind of really produced results. And it's not just it's just not it's not just the kids that are on those mags and stuff. It's the it's the whole group that's moving in the same direction, and that's been something that's been really neat to see. Um, at some point, we had if you, we got a group of kids who are moving on and swimming at a higher level, right? And so we made a decision as a club: just we're all going. You know what I mean? Like we're all, this the whole group of 30 to 40 kids, we're all going to move forward here, you know, and, um, and that's been really enjoyable as well to, to see the, the whole senior team kind of hop on board and, and, and take some of these um, goals and challenges on, you know, I don't know if I answered your question or just babbled for a while. No, for sure. I think that you're right on to what as coaches, we kind of realize and sometimes, you know, I, I'm definitely, like you said, including you in the progress of this um, of this success, but it, it takes some successful swimmers to raise the bar for, for the whole group um, and really show what can be done, especially if you're dealing with, you know, limited pool um, resources or, you know, those type of things. So it makes it makes a ton of sense, but it also kind of changes your coaching when you get that level of an athlete. Has, has your coaching philosophy and training philosophy evolved now that you have a group of swimmers who can handle or are willing to do a little bit more as far as work ethic? Sure. You know, um, I think all of us try and, you know, if we're getting better, 
we're changing some variables season to season, right? Um, either volume or harder or faster or weights or whatever, right? And so, um, so that's been as a, with a with a group that was pretty talented. Um, we have just been systematically kind of adding, adjusting, changing, so that hopefully we keep getting better year in year out, right? Um, can you get specific with, with that? Group, Can you tell us kind of what what type of um, progressions yeah. you're looking at? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, they won't they won't start on like any sort of um, resistance or or like bucket work or stuff until they get to high school. They won't do any. Um, they didn't do any doubles until they got to high school. Um, and, um, and really like off of that, Garrett, it's been fairly individual in like what we're adding to, to the, to what they're doing. It's not, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily over the whole group, um, but kind of changing variables within each kind of training group, um, you know, like the, Sprinters or the we don't really have a sprint group, to be honest with you, but say the mid D, you know, adding a morning of of on the Destro Towers. Um the 400 IMers definitely just adding to their volume and what they're doing. And um, um but I'd have to go back and, and look at workouts to tell you specifically what we're changing. Yeah. Well I think you can tell some things from the results or I could make inferences from some of the results having, you know, swimmers who can go a 21 in the 50 free, uh, 50 uh, women who can go 21 in the 50 free and 58 in the 100 breast and 148 or 147 in the 200 freestyle. That's a pretty wide range. I mean, you have all of your ladies seem to be pretty good at that, at the IMs as well as the 200 free, 100 free and could kind of go all over with the strokes as well. So um, I, I guess I'm just curious what that weekly cycle looks like. I know you said you didn't have a, a sprint group. Obviously, there's enough speed work in there to to be getting some of the uh, the sprint work done. So can you kind of take us through what a weekly cycle looks like for your senior one group? Yeah, I can. And I, I'll i give a shout out to their – we, we, we're in a situation where we use the high school pools and whatnot. So we have a real good relationship with high school teams and that we're, I think that's fairly unique or could be unique. Um, but our kids do swim high school, right? And that's um, the girls runs um, August through say Thanksgiving and the guys call it early December through February. And correct but me if I'm wrong, but sorry to interrupt, but in Wisconsin, yeah. that means they can't do club, right? Correct. Correct. Now, that doesn't mean they don't pop in, right? Um, but they'll swim with their high school teams, but but um, they'll pop in often just to get some stroke work or just to touch base and um, maybe do a competition or two. But for the more or less, they're with their high school coaches. And the reason I bring this up here with the – you mentioned about the sprinting. I do want to give a shout-out. They they do – that's where they get that. You know, like they, they're – some um, – they race a lot, and I feel like that's really helped them on that sprint side, right? And um, which is good because you kind of have to um, 
as a club coach, you have to be malleable and adaptable, right? And so um, there's positives in everything, right? And, and I think that's a positive of the high school season where they really kind of develop some of those sprint skills. Um, but as far as our our weekly schedule, like when we're rolling with a full complement of um, <clears throat> practices, they'll go on Monday morning, uh, 5.30 to 7 a.m., and uh, mornings is largely kind of lighter aerobic. If, if we're coming off a meet, we're just kind of working out the kinks from a competition. If we don't have a meet, then we're, then we're just kind of getting ready to roll for the week. Uh, for the week. So um, it's, it's largely aerobic work, kind of IM and or freestyle. But uh, it's a morning where, like, I'll throw some things out and they can, if they're feeling pretty good, they can roll. But if they're kind of not feeling that great, they're not going to hear from me about it, right? Like I'm not getting on their case Monday mornings about intervals or what paces they're going or whatnot. They'll hear from me if they're doing well and they're throwing something down, right? But if you're not, it's fine. No big deal. It's um, <clears throat> not the point of the workout. Uh, early in the season, Monday afternoons, they'll go uh, two hours. And um, earlier in the season, that'll be a lot of, uh, I, we call it like harder aerobic, like 200 pace type work. Um, they'll do a lot of stuff that's um, kind of pull, drill, descend, and then then work at like a two pace or, or a specific interval. Um, during the season, um, we will get on the Destro Towers in the afternoons um, as well, but we wouldn't do that necessarily real early in the season, more mid-season towards late. Um, and then um, Tuesdays is more of a or a quality workout. Uh, we split. We'll split into like three groups on a on a Tuesday. We'll have a 400 IM group. Um, kind of a distance-free group and then a, a mid-distance group. And um, 400 IMers, it, I'm just challenging them. You know, I'm just figuring out how to challenge those guys somehow. Um, and uh, likewise with the distance freestylers, often those IMers and freestylers are doing a lot of best average type work. And um, the sprinters or sprints in mid-D, um, more quality work that's when they'll do their stand-ups and, and and stuff like that um on a tuesday they also live for an hour on tuesdays after practice and um if you don't have a guy find a guy to do your weights in your dry land you know it's not it's not my strength or expertise but we've got a guy who's great and um and so um i'll give him a shout out dwight sandvold um, he does a fantastic job with the kids and um, not just developing their strength and, and functional strength, but um, but really buying into what they're doing with the team and, and following them and being interested in them as human, as human beings and individuals. I think the more people you have on your team or their team, right, that means they're their family, their their dryland coach, their coaches that can be invested in them, the better off they're going to be. Um, not just like a, a strength coach for hire, right? It's a little bit different. 
And um, does he come anyway, to the pool? Sorry to interrupt again. I just want to, yeah. this is awesome stuff. I just want to kind of get some details on whether or not he comes to the pool or they go to a separate gym for those weights afterwards. Sure. Uh, no, he, they come to the pool and um, we have access, thankfully, to the weight rooms there. So it's so it's really nice. And um, we didn't always before we had access. Um, we were just cords, med balls, dumbbells, just carrying them around and whatnot. But the last six years or so, we've had access and that's been great um, and really been a key part of um the development of this generation and um, and likewise having a strength coach during their high school season who was on board with what we're doing right that was key so they didn't they don't miss that component anymore during the month and a half two months they're up to high school um, it's really been nice to just to have all the cylinders working together in a sense and um, but anyway they'll lift on um, on Tuesday nights, and um, that's key not only for strength but injury prevention. You know, like that's that's his number one thing is to number one kind of give help them be bulletproof in a sense. You know, so that they don't have to worry about um, injuries in the pool. Um, anyway, uh, we're basically people don't agree with this a lot, Garrett, but. Um, we go two days of work and then Wednesdays is recovery. Uh, we go an hour and a half to two, two hours. And um, I don't write workouts on Wednesdays. Um, some Wednesdays are a little bit harder than others. The, the kids call those non-recovery day, recovery days. Um, and then other days we won't do much at all. You know what I mean? I'll kind of, kind of warm up, see where they're operating. If they need a little bit more, we give them a little bit more. Um, we work a lot of technique and a lot of underwater work on, on Wednesdays. And, um, but, uh, so that's Wednesday. And then we go back into a similar cycle, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Garrett, um, all of our, so, um, Thursday morning, they'll be on resistance and Destro towers and whatnot. And when we do that, we do a lot of, um, resistance into overspeed. So they'll go, um, they'll be on the towers and then they'll throw fins and paddles on and, and, and swim fast. And I think a lot of people do this, but I, I think their, their, their body position and their feel gets kind of thrown out of whack on the tower. So then they can kind of get up on the water again and kind of establish their alignment and whatnot. So we do a lot of that. I know we're ready to roll when um, they, on the overspeed stuff, they start taking their equipment off because they want to know like what's real. Like they, they're tired of these fake times. They're like, I'm getting ready to race. I want to know what I'm doing here. So when they start taking the fins and paddles off, I know we're pretty, I, I may feel positive about that. But um, anyway, that'd be a Thursday morning. Thursday night, we do a lot of our, our test sets and whatnot. Um, Thursday night and then Friday, again, is more quality efforts. And um, and then we're either racing or Saturday mornings, again, is a recovery day. I understand we still get Sunday. Why don't we do work on Saturday? The only thing I can tell you is is it seems to work, you know. And so um, and uh, I think that the, the two on one off, 
it's really good for young kids brains and um, they can really bring it hard for two days knowing they've got that third day coming up right so I feel the quality of work we get in is more than is more than worth taking that that Wednesday and Saturday morning right um, you know I feel and this is no this, it's no secret that a happy swimmer is a fast swimmer right and so if if if, if if they're happy coming to practice on a Saturday morning, you know, that's, that's golden for me and we'll get better at our craft. You know, we'll do some drills and, and whatnot and not necessarily beat the snot out of them, but, um, but we'll get to it on Thursday, Friday and Monday, Tuesday. Right. You know, um, uh, you know, just as far as volume, I, we're not a huge volume team. Um, but uh, we get in what we can get in, right? So um, they're probably looking at 45, maybe 50 a week, you know. But, uh, um, you know, if we had more time, we might do more. But we just, you know, we do as much as we can in the time we're allotted. First off, I, I love hearing, you know, something that all us coaches read about, how recovery is so crucial and a lot of coaches will say that recovery is the biggest thing that has changed in the last 20 years that has, you know, led to swimflation, so to speak, where we just keep getting faster and faster. But, you know, a lot of times when they break down their, their training, it's got to go, got to get the work in going fast every day type stuff. So, you know, hearing that there's a coach like yourself out there having such great success implementing two recovery days. And if you count Sunday, kind of three every single week. Um, I think that's great. And like you said, there's a mental component to it where the kids stay happy. Um, as far as getting after it, like you said, um, I guess I'm just a little curious because in a six lane pool with towers, um, how many people are in that top group that you can kind of cycle through and get everybody to get those towers or at least a group of them to do those towers when you're working with limited space like that? Yeah, it, it took some time here. It's so when we first started with those, like we had one or two and it's really just a toy, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, um, but as of about two years ago, we, we had built up to the point where we have, um, 12 towers, 12 Destro towers, and we're at two different pools. So the Destros are nice because I can throw them in the back of my truck and we can move them around. Right. And, um, so, um, that's why we go with that type. And then um, also we can move them up. So we've got two and each four in each lane, right? So there's three lanes of Destro Towers and they'll go at each other and then at each other, at each other, at each other. And um, so if we've got 12 um, towers, we can have 12 on the overspeed work. And we've got a group of about 30. And then um, if we, if we have more than 24, which is often, we'll have uh, a third cycle. So we'll go towers over speed and then maybe they're kicking, you know, or towers over speed and then some days maybe some med balls or something, right? So we'll be cycling them through. Um, but, uh, but no, we had to get enough towers to serve the group. And that's something that's, since we've had enough just to roll and not, it, now there's, it, it's part of their training and not a toy. It's been really beneficial. Yeah. I've never really worked with anything but the Destro, so I don't know. Um, 
if they're good or bad or not. It's just what we have. So it's all good. Yeah. Seems to be working. So you have 30 uh, swimmers in your senior one group or sorry, 24 in your senior one group ish. No, no, we've got, we're 30 plus. So we're, we're six to a lane often. Yeah. Yeah. When you have swimmers that are, having so much success squeezing into six per lane. Um, I, I, it's just hard. How do you deal breakouts with are an issue? Garrett. Breakouts are an, are an issue in that um, before like championship season, we have to make sure we get all on board. We have a lot of brushstrokers coming up and looking around, you know, like it's just, protection you know or, or backstrokers who are you know um just spending some time just to reset that sort of stuff and habits do pop up you know um that's in competition that's where you see things like uh you know turn work and breakouts and um and just funky little habits that come from swimming in a crowded pool right um it's just like anything. You have to be adaptable and you have to be aware of, of, of that shortcoming, right? It's something we're aware of or I'm aware of. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I've necessarily talked to the kids about this is why we're spreading out here, you know, do this because you're so crowded. But it is something that at certain times of the year um, we make sure we're keying in on so that those habits don't pop up, you know, air circle swimming, et cetera, in competition. Right. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense just from a space standpoint, but also from an attention standpoint, right? Your currency is your attention. And with 30 swimmers in the water, you can't, you know, get to all of them all the time. Um, and when you have uh, a group like, like the ladies are right now who are having su- such success. And like you said, it's not that the young men aren't doing well by most standards. It's just the women are some of the fastest in history based on the nag records and everything else. How do you balance your attention so that, you know, you're either giving it to the people who are doing more and listening more, or you're making sure that you're getting touches with the whole group um, to make sure that, um, you know, you're developing all of those. And, and I guess my question is some coaches say they like to play favorites because it allows them to really reward the people who are doing more and other coaches, you know, try to make sure they're not playing favorites and try to keep it equal with their attention. So I guess I'm just curious how you balance that with such a big group. Um, and when you have a group that's raised the bar for everybody, but also maybe there could be a little jealousy or something else going on within the group. Um, when that kind of success happens, how are you balancing your attention and your energy. Yeah, I I think the key one. I think one of the keys is like you're only as good as like your lowest denominator, right? And so, at the start of a practice, I think, or even just watching kids walk come in the door, you know, it's identifying who's going to be the lowest common denominator, and that might be your best kid, right? You know. It, um, just had a bad day you know what i mean it's you know had some exams didn't go well boyfriend whatever it is or girlfriend um or just didn't sleep or whatever so you know just kind of catching that stuff early in a workout and having the group all moving on the same page 
is really key to less to allowing you to coach, right? Um, uh, so a get a get, get everybody on the same page and everybody working with the same effort allows you not to do the I don't know. It's not even coaching, right? It's just it's just like practice management, right? Just like getting people moving in the right direction, right? If, like if you can take care of that right off the bat, maybe have a chat with a kid, you know, I know it's not your best day or whatever, but let's do this, you know, you know, just having them on board with the, with the minimum flow of the workout helps you as a coach to coach, right? And not just manage a workout. And um, uh, I've got a group of kids that are real good about like understanding what we're doing and, um, bring appropriate levels of effort right and um and that's key as well right is having kids who have some personal responsibility as to how hard they're working and whatnot and again it's the whole group right um if i don't have to worry about asking some kid to repeat at a faster pace or something then i can talk to them about their stroke work and it's um it's a challenge, Garrett, you know, with 30, you know, I do try and touch everybody every day. I do have an assistant sometimes, to be honest with you, not all the time. Um, I think it's another aside, but I think coaching and USA Swimming is, I think we're at um, a point where people aren't necessarily willing to give their time for peanuts and they shouldn't and i think i think it's a crisis in coaching and and usa swimming is to like the the amount of great coaches who just can't do it with families and whatnot um but that's another that's a whole another deal um but anyway we have trouble finding some some staff so often i am i am alone and um the kids do a good job of um They'll recognize on a given day if, if I'm like, you know, I'm with the, I'm with the sprint mids today, you know, um, that 400 IM group is, will be really good about holding themselves accountable. You know, like I'll be able to pop over there and, and say, you know, what did you hold on this, on this set? And they'll give me numbers, you know, and, um, and, uh, and, and vice versa. But, uh, it's a challenge, Garrett. Do I, you know, do I favor some kids over others or, or groups of kids? Um, I, I honestly try not to, you know. Um, um, but I think we're all human, right? And if, if somebody is excelling at a workout, you're going to highlight them, right? It's, um, but, uh, and, you know, there's other ways to get kids on board without, like, yelling at them, you know, like, this is barely often like if they're doing a repeat if you hear me say like 102 is that all right that's cool you know if you hear me say well uh you know 104 you know that's pretty obvious right like okay you know but the, you know at a couple of those then it's you know that's 102 zero zero look out garrett's bringing it you know so you know it's like little things like that just to get everybody on the same page and um but uh, I don't know. I, I try real hard to make it around the pool. I, um, I think it's a testament to the kids who overcome 
the situation they're in, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but hopefully I got some points there. But Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you talked about it from the very beginning that as a developmental program, you know, this group has, you know, had the, the foundation laid for them and, you know, through the different groups had cultural, um, you know, values that they have been carrying. And it sounds like your relationship with them is, you know, honest and upfront and, you know, they want to make the team as great as much as you do. Um, so that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, how, how do you think your swimmers would describe your coaching and describe coach Bach? Like how, if you can step outside of yourself and just imagine from their perspective, how would they describe your coaching style? Um, I don't know. I think like their brains will go to moments where I lost perhaps my cool, um, which does happen, you know, um, but uh, I don't know, Garrett, I, you'd have to ask them, but honestly, I just, I would really hope that they view me as somebody who cares for them as individuals, you know, and, um, you know, I look at it like I have a relationship to like the whole team that's like 200 people and parents and coaches and whatnot. And like, that's a team. And then like me and them as, as a team of 30, whatever athletes, and then me and the individual athlete, like, I think those are, um, those are all very real teams. Right. And so like, there's times when I'm operating clearly with me and them and we're a team globally and then you know and then there are times that it's just you know me and the athlete you know what i mean now that we're the team you know and um i don't know garrett i hope they look at it similarly like you know like brent's just you know i don't know if he's a coach but he's somebody who's just helping me get you know we're working together right to get to to get to an end and um but i hope that's how they would look at it um but, uh, you know, as far as like coach swimmer relationships, you know, like, like there's times that are important where like it's them and you, right? Like they're the team and you're the coach, right? And that's okay. And there's also times when you're all in it together, right? And both of those are really important. Um, but, uh, you know, likewise, you know, like when a kid is swimming, clearly they're on their own, right? Um, you can't do it for them or do it with them even. But um, uh, but clearly, you know, before or after, you can be with them. You know what I mean? And then um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think they think I'm pretty intense i know the kids on other teams think i'm pretty intense i think when they start yeah when they get to know me i think i have like resting intense face not but um um i i'm pretty down to earth i think but um i think they would say i'm intense to be honest with you yeah i i expect a lot there you know like i expect them to be at their best and you know and um and that's not a negative thing. They want people want to be the best they can be in general, you know. So it's uh, you know having a high standard is is uh, is okay. It seems like they also see that other side of your 
caring side or else I don't think that they operate without you watching over them at all times. Like you're describing your groups on, you know, Fridays and Tuesdays where they're able to kind of do the set the way it's supposed to be done, even if you're not standing right over them. So they're not doing that if you're just, you know, cracking the whip all the time and they're just trying to avoid you blowing up on them. Even if you are intense, it sounds like they can, can read that you care. Um, I guess the only other question I have along those lines is, about colleges. And if you look at some of the recent commitments, it's pretty impressive. Texas, Stanford, Wisconsin, Indiana, there's just been a lot of really um, big time schools that some of your ladies have been committing to. And I'm sure I'm missing a lot of the other athletes who are also committing to great universities. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how that fits into your priorities with that whole progression and sending them off to another program? Yeah, I I think the big thing for us, Garrett, is is having a having a tradition of athlete coming out of the program, whereas these colleges know kind of the attributes of an Elbrook athlete, and that's something that they would they would want on their team, right? So that's real important to us. Um, you know, we want kids to get you know hardworking, respectful young men and women and scholastically strong. And um, so that's first and foremost, you know, and um, hopefully um, these college teams kind of learn to trust, you know, that we're developing good athletes and want to have them or good people and want to have them as part of their programs. Um, But uh, I wouldn't say... And no means, Garrett, are we purposefully trying to funnel kids to like the power five schools or whatnot. You know, we had a lot of, um, we had a lot of kids have a lot of success at like at D3 schools. And, um, you know, I, I really, it's, it's, it's more about finding just a good fit for that, for that athlete, you know, and, and helping them find that what, helping the athlete and family find what they're looking for, you know, and, and, and finding a fit. Um, but, uh, um, no, it's fun seeing them go off to these schools and, and I'm going to be excited to, to see, you know, how, how everybody, um, progresses. Um, it's, uh, it's yeah it, it should be enjoyable watching ncaa's the next couple of years and i'm excited for these kids to take the jump um one of our like i, I mentioned kind of like how we train and like our volume and whatnot garrett but um you know another goal would be you know talking collegiately is like give kids a background and and stuff where they can be successful no matter what program they step into right like um that's been something that i don't blow my own horn a lot but like something like i have heard that it makes me very proud that um like um some of the athletes that we've sent through who maybe haven't been top recruits or maybe just on books or, you know, walking on. Um, I've heard things like he's the only freshman that can do the work, you know, um, maybe not the best freshman, right. But the, you know, but the, the freshman who can, who can, who can handle it. And so um, that's something we take, we, we really try and 
developed in the kids and that we take pride in as well, that, that our kids are ready to roll when they step on the next stage. Yeah. At least we hope it's our goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think some coaches don't really consider that, you know, they want to be the, the best um, coach for that kid. And they don't really always consider how they're going to do at the next level. And that, you know, no matter what part of the progression you are at club, most of the time, if you're doing it really well, you're not their last coach and understanding that they need to go on and be able to, you know, handle, like you said, any kind of program. And um, yeah, it, it, makes a lot of sense as most of your answers have here today. I just got, I think a couple more. Um, you recently. Could be their last coach. Garrett. Uh, can I share a story? It meant a lot to me just this yeah. past weekend. The yeah. um, I had a, a fellow who just, just graduated and maybe a month ago. He's like texting me, are you going to be at Westmont? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, okay, okay. Anyway, I'm at the meet and I see he's in the psych sheet for the 50 freestyle. And before the race, he's like waving me down. This kid's like 24 years old, right? I'm like, you're 24 years old. What are you? Yeah, I see you, buddy. You know, and um, he swims this 50 freestyle and he comes over and he says, um, yeah, he says, I haven't touched the water since that's NC2As. He's like, but I wanted to come so we could I could be with you for my last swim. So he might end up as their last coach as well, right? Like that was, that. Yeah, I just lost it. You know, I just... But uh, that is a so great maybe story. Their last uh, when you said their last coach that just popped into my head. No, no, that's sure. that's yeah. pretty cool. Full circle. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you saw a lot of top level swimmers recently in Colorado Springs as a member of the junior national team staff for the uh, junior national team camp. Um, I guess, you know, how was that? And what did you learn? What kind of little nuggets did you take away from that camp that you know, help you as a coach. And then, yeah, I guess let's just start there. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think first and foremost, in just anything like that is um, being able to spend time with the other staff members and just being immersed on deck with them. is so beneficial, you know, it's, um, you know, just to expand, not your network, but like, I mean, we all, swimming, swimming, right? And I think like kids get, I think kids can be real successful in lots of different programs, so long as they're bought into that program, right? And then, and, but, um, so just talking with people, the coaches, coaching staff, and, and some of the kids about, you know, what they're doing and what they feel makes them successful is, 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 was, was really good and made me a better coach, you know, um, as far as, um, you know, really the athletes, I had the honor of, of coaching like the national select group with the guys in November and then being at the, um, junior team camp and, um, and just being witness to the level of the level of maturity and attention to detail that the kids kind of developed in that year or two span, if they make the jump, right, um, um, is pretty big, right? Like 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 the kids who are making that junior team, you know. I think I don't know what the stat is. You'd have to ask um, USA Swimming, but um, whatever percentage that is. It's those kids who work out a lot of, because they're all good, right? 
like they're all really good. But the kids who are at the national junior team camp are uh, more, they're, you know, they're the kids who have developed kind of the other skills, you know, listening, being attentive, being respectful, you know, the stuff that's outside of the water. Those are the kids that kind of take it to that next level. And this is all anecdotal, Garrett. So, you know what I mean? This is just what I anecdotally feel I saw. Um, but uh, because kids at both those camps are uber talented, right? Just um, it's either the kids develop those skills in those intervening years or had those skills, right? Um, but um, is, are you talking uh, kind of social future, skills on the deck or are you talking maturity? Like what, what are you pointing to when you're yeah. looking at those skills out of the water? Yeah, I'm point, right. I'm pointing to maturity and social skills, um, uh, nonverbals, right? Being able to, to, to listen to a, a, a strange coach tell you stuff and it's like, yeah, okay. You know, um, you know, being able to adapt, right? Like, all these kids are um, doing things that are maybe the same they do in the club, but given to them in a different way or explained to them in a different way, right? Just being able to like roll with that and adapt. And um, I feel like the kids at the National Junior Camp do a real nice job of that, you know, of um, whether it's new or different or, or the same given to them in a different language just being able to adapt and, and roll, you know, I think it's a skill they have. Um, but uh, um, yeah, just working with, at the camp, working with people who are a lot smarter than me, you know, um, it was a pleasure to, to take some time for Dr. Ken Ono, who was out there doing some work um, and, um, and his assistants. Um, who are much smarter about swimming than I than I am, boy, you know. But it was, but then again, just hearing, you know, just being like a fly on a wall while they were going through their stuff, you know, was was really helpful to me too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing that experience and some of that insight. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. My next question was going to be what makes the good athletes great, but I think you already kind of covered it with that ability to adapt, um, and ability to kind of roll with those situations. So that brings me to my last question. And I think it's an important one. We kind of, kind of skated over the surface of some of the underlying issues with USA swimming and coaching and the dedication that it takes in order to become, you know, a full-time or even uh, a part-time, but a participating coach, um, at the club level, given up evenings and a lot of weekends and a lot of that stuff. But, I feel like coaches have to, if they're going to do it, um, find a balance, find something that they can do away from the pool, away from the team and, and kind of balance out so that they have something else. How would you say you, uh, you do that, you do that balance? What do you do for, for self-care, so to speak? Yeah, I think if I'm brutally honest, Garrett, I think I fail often at the self-care, you know, um, but, um, you know, I I do run and bike and and I don't swim anymore because just going to a pool when you're off isn't where I want to be anymore. But I'll but uh, if someone says let's go swim around an island or something, I'm all in. You know, out in open water. Um, but uh, no, I run and bike and you know, I, thankfully I, I 
had uh, an opportunity to adopt a, a dog about three years ago. And, uh, you know, it's the old story, who adopted who, you know what I mean? Or who saved who, right? now? So, so that's, that's, so that's kind of my release is kind of getting out and just running some trails with the dog and, um, and, uh, for myself, I spend, I, I, I'm a DJ at a local radio station here, so getting on the air and playing some jazz and improvised music is um, a real release for myself as well. So um, kind of having that collect, you know, I collect um, vinyl and music and whatnot and, and share it over the airwaves and um, and staying active. But uh, um, as far as like carving out big chunks of time when I can go on vacation and stuff, that's uh, something I haven't done a great job of. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate uh, the perspective and yeah, that's a cool answer. I haven't heard, uh, you know, a DJ as that answer yet in all of these podcasts. So that's pretty awesome. That's really good. So. Brent, I've really appreciated this. I know I've learned a lot. Um, it's been great to get to know you a little bit better and I'm really looking forward to, to watching Elmbrook going forward and, and you know seeing how it continues to uh, grow with the success that you've built there. So thank you for your time and, and best of luck going forward. Thank you so much, Garrett. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Swim Swam Podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam Podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.